I still remember the feeling in my gut and my chest when I was texting this person. This is where the Riz comes in because up until like three months prior, I thought lesbian was a race. I was like, hey, you should tell me who you like. Day one of texting this person. And they were like, no. you to everyone. I'm kidding. Hi everyone, it's Maddie and welcome back to another episode of my new podcast, Closet Talk. Thank you to everyone who has reached out so far about the show. I always love hearing from you and that's honestly the reason I started this podcast, to create a safe space where we can all feel seen, heard, and loved. If you're just now finding the show, welcome. I highly recommend you go back and listen to the first two episodes because we're kind of in the middle of the story of my life right now. In the first two episodes, we talked about what it's like growing up as a queer kid before you realize what the words queer or gay even mean. And today we're getting into the big era, the coming of age era. So if your jeans are cuffed, your keys are on your belt loop, and your favorite color is green, you are in the right place because today I'm going to talk about my first real relationship with a girl, being outed, and society's response to my queerness. But first, we have another moment in queer history that we get to add to the Hall of Fame, and that is Jade from Victorious. I'm starting to get to the age where like, I talk about Jade from Victorious with people about like slightly younger than me and they don't know who she is. So if you're a young queer person questioning everything and you have a little bit of like authoritative issues, go watch Victorious and you will be awakened. She was like the first person I think I saw just like have this attitude and I was like, I think I need to be, my attitude needs to be adjusted by this girl. Like I go back and like, I wanted to watch every episode where like she had the specific like side plot. And I always thought to myself, everybody was like, Beck is so hot. Like Beck is this and Beck is that. I was like, I wanna be Beck so bad. I don't wanna be anybody else in the show. And I think for her like, just in the way that she like expressed herself, it was a way that I don't think I'd seen any other character like express themselves on TV removed from like queerness. Cause I think that was not the point of her character, but it like spoke to everyone so well. Like there was this one part of the show that I related to the most. She like sassed someone obviously, and then had a burrito, just like bit into the middle of the burrito. And like not the top of the bottom, the middle. And I was like, this is the love of my life. Jade from Victorious was one of those experiences that I had really young because it was around the iCarly era. And I remember buying iCarly and Victorious on DVD, like as it came out season by season at Target, my parents would take us and we'd get so excited to like actually purchase CDs. And then we'd go home and like play the episodes because there was really no streaming services you could watch these on. And so this wasn't a part of my identity that I feel like at the time I was questioning. I would just get so excited by the sass and like the meanness and like, yeah, it's sarcasm of her character. And I think it's because like she had that pent up anger. It, it felt like inside out, you know, how like they have each of those characters that's like joy and sadness and anger and fear. And she was like the sassy one. She was like probably disgust, but there's that like level of like comfort you find with that kind of character because they're just always saying the things that everybody else is too afraid to say and causing like dramatic scenes for no reason. I love being dramatic. So she, I definitely related to her a lot, but there wasn't like a, I didn't realize that that character tied into like my queer journey until very much later in life when, you know, those CDs kind of get a little old and dusty and then you know, Netflix comes out and you're starting to watch new shows and you're not watching the old ones anymore. And I think it was like at 15, 
we had just one summer. I remember me and my siblings spent the entire summer just watching Netflix and it was not productive in any way, shape or form, but we bonded over like what shows we wanted to watch. And then one random like day, we saw that Victorious was on there and then we played it. And at this point, I already, I already knew I was queer, but I looked back and was like, oh, that makes so much sense as to why I loved Jade. Yeah, 12 year old me was definitely like shaking in my boots. Jade, you have made it into the Hall of Fame because you are iconic in your sassiness and your attitude. And I think all of us can use a little bit of that because you were never afraid to say how you felt and didn't really care what anybody else thought of you. And I think that that's like actually extremely admirable. And I also like the way that you eat burritos. All right, speaking of queer awakenings, it was my high school experience. It was early August, I walk into first period my first ever class of high school day one. And it was a Spanish class. And I remember I got the teacher that my mom warned me about because she's a Spanish teacher. She's like, oh, you got the one that, you know, nobody really likes. He's kind of odd. He was a really interesting man. He wore a puffy orange vest to school every single day. And he would make us sing bailando every single day at the beginning of class. And he always chose me to hold the microphone and like walk around class and like choose who had to sing the next verse. So naturally, everyone avoided eye contact with me and hated me because they didn't want me to walk up with them, walk up to them with this microphone. But it was day one, I walk in, and I remember this class was actually really important to me. It became really important to me really quickly because there was the right side of the classroom and the left side of the classroom. And the right side of the classroom was like a ton of rows. There was probably like five or six rows, but the left side, is the side that I sat on. It was separated by like alphabetical order and my last name starts with a V. So I was on the left side and there were two rows and there were only 10 kids on that side, but there were probably like 25 on the other. And me and these 10 kids got super close really quickly. And this is kind of where I met the first person in my life. My voice gets, my, my voice is getting all shaky. Like I get nervous talking about this person, but this is where I met the first person in my life that kind of really sparked something in me. And the story is actually hilarious because I had no idea what was going on. I genuinely thought I was developing. This was when, what was it, Ebola was like massive and everyone was like, oh, I have Ebola. And we really had no idea what Ebola even was. But it was probably like week two of being in this class. And my mom really wanted me to transfer out because she was like, he's not a good teacher. Like he's old and he was old. I would go to school with zero prep and get like five out of 10 on these exams. And I'd email him and be like, hey, Senor, I actually aced this and got a 15 out of 15. And he'd be like, okay. And he'd just change it. So it probably for my educational purposes would have been smart to leave this class. But there was this one day, it was right before I was supposed to go into the counselor's office and change my first period class to a different first period class so I could get a better Spanish teacher. I forgot my textbook that day because I was an incredible student and I had to share a textbook. And I remember this person, two seats behind me was like, you can share mine. And Mr. Mackey was like, go for it. Sorry to name drop. I hope he's doing well. Um, he was a very lovely man, by the way. I think he was just old. And I go back and I sit next to this person. And like, I remember like there are these desks that were kind of divided between chair and desk with like a little pole. So I had this like pole between my legs. I was extremely uncomfortable. But I just remember thinking to myself, something that I had never noticed about anyone before. And it was a way that somebody smelled. This person smelled so strongly of like, vanilla 
And I actually think later on I found out it was like a One Direction perfume to talk about how old I am here. And, you know, we were sharing this textbook and this person like, I don't think did it on purpose, but put their arm around the back of my chair. And there was like something that lit up inside me. It made me feel like I wanted to throw up and cry and scream all at the same time because I had no idea what was going on. Like I got massively flustered. And I think they knew what was going on because like they didn't move their arm. And we made this like that first like eye contact with a girl at the time. And I was just this pool and puddle of like confusion and it freaked me out. And I think looking back, obviously I know those are what we call feelings, but at the time <laughs> I was just really confused. I thought I was getting sick. I actually skipped cross country practice that day and went home and was like, mom, I'm not feeling well like at all. Something really weird happened to me in first period. And I didn't exactly explain what was going on. But this is what I call Riz everyone. This is how I had my first girl crush and girl kiss. So it was the third month of school. I had somehow convinced my mom that the counselor said, unfortunately, there were no classes for me to transfer into just because I wanted to be around this person more. And I was going on Thanksgiving break and I have like my phone out because I want to ask this person for their number. And I just kind of was like, here, like I just gave my phone to this person really quickly and was like, hey, you should like put your number in my phone and we should like text and we should like not stop talking. <laughs> those are the words that came out of my face. And I remember this moment so vividly because I, it's one of those moments that I stay up at like 3 a.m. thinking about like, why did you do it that way? But got their number and we ended up texting. And this was like the moment in my life. I still remember the feeling in my gut and my chest when I was texting this person and I was like, this is where the Riz comes in, ladies, gentlemen, and folks and others. I was like, hey, you should tell me who you like, like day one of texting this person. And they were like, no. And I was like, no, you'd like definitely should. And I had no idea what I was getting at. And I remember like texting these words and being so confused as to why I wanted to know so badly. Because up until like three months prior, I thought lesbian was a race. I had no idea what the word even meant because I had heard somebody using it outside of like a history classroom. So naturally I was like, okay, lesbian history, it's a race. Those were the dots that I connected in my head. And I'm texting this person really wanting to know who they like and it takes us like two hours to get to the point and they go oh like your brother's gonna kill me because i think they were in the same friend group and this is where it gets messy everyone the word you popped up on my screen and i remember sitting by like our christmas tree and just like freezing my entire body just like fell really still and i just could not stare at, like stop staring at that one word and then my entire life just made sense in that moment like it felt like those two pictures that make no sense out of context and then you like slide them together and then you're like oh it's a bumblebee but like if you saw the two pictures separately it would be so confusing and I think that's when like the idea of relationships and my lack of ability to talk about men really clicked and I was like oh I like you too. Like there was zero hesitation in being able to confidently say that. And this is where like the queer experience differs. I think I realized in that moment, I probably wasn't in the safest environment to explore that relationship in its fullest. And I say that because it was not normalized. 
going back to the first episode or second episode where I talk about finding out what gay was, you know, I it clicked in my head. If two guys are kissing and that's a negative thing, two girls kissing is also a negative thing. But I also know the experiences and the emotions that I'm going through right now feel good and like make sense to me and feel right. Like there's no way that this, this can be a wrong thing. And so I decided to keep texting this person. And this was also my first experience, like experiencing a queer person. Like, you know, they presented a little bit more masculine. And at the time I think I did too, I just didn't know what that was. And then I, you know, we never really talked about like gayness with each other. It was never like, oh, you like girls, I like girls. We never had that conversation. It was just kind of like, I like you and you like me, and that was kind of it. And I really appreciated that about this person. And I found out a bit into our 28 day relationship that they had been with girls before and like kissed girls before. And that actually brought like a lot of comfort to me because I was like, okay, like there is somebody else out there like me besides us two. And I didn't like the girl obviously because she had kissed the girl that I liked and I was like, screw you. But it just brought peace to me that there was somebody else out there that existed that way and at this point in time my parents I think started to get really suspicious because I started to behave in a way that I had never behaved before and it was me like being nervous to ask to hang out with somebody and I remember going up to my mom's classroom because like my high school and my middle school were divided by a sidewalk like that was it and so there was definitely like that final escape from you know having my mom as a teacher or like you know in that pivotal like developmental environment and going over to high school finally having that a bit of an escape but like I would walk to school from her classroom and then I would walk back to her classroom after school and I remember one day I walked to her classroom and I asked her I was like can I hang out with this person and she was like no and I was like oh and you know it didn't really click for me like it until much later that every time I would give my phone to them they would go through my texts. I wasn't smart enough to delete them because I didn't think that they would like betray that boundary in any way. And like later on in life, I found out at like this year that the texts that I started to delete, they never read because they convinced me that they had like spyware in order for me to like tell them everything. Cause they were like, well, we already know, but they didn't. I just thought that they did. And so at the time I would hand my phone in every, every night to them. Like I wasn't allowed to have it in my room and I think they got the idea of what was going on with me. I wish I felt safe enough in that environment to like go to my mom and be like, hey, I really like this girl and I don't know what's going on and I don't know if it's normal and I need you to tell me that it's normal. But I never felt safe enough to have that conversation. Obviously I do now. She literally runs the queer club at her school. Go mom. This is called a redemption arc, everyone. And I also wanted to talk about like the parental response to what happens next because I think parents get scared too. And I think growing up and getting older and having these conversations with them about what happened when I, you know, throughout this next chapter, their response makes sense. To provide a little bit of context, obviously we know at this point my mom's a teacher, but my dad also worked at like a reha rehabilitation clinic for teens, I think, when he freshly got out of college. And so I think they were both exposed to a world where like, it's not normal to have your phone after a certain hour. Like you can get, the internet is a very dangerous place for youth. Like 
there was not this massive explosion of social media yet to the point where it was super normalized. I mean, I had like access to my phone, but they had convinced me it was unsafe to have it outside of these certain environments where I needed to reach them. And it was also something I never questioned. Like I never really decided to question anything my parents said or like fight back in any way because it was just like, all right, what they say is factual. That's mom, that's dad, that's, that's correct because I trusted them. I mean, they never had led me astray before. I mean, they were my parents. So yeah, I never really questioned the turning my phone in thing at all. But yeah, they would take my phone. And then after this next chapter, you know, I grew up and at I think 22, yeah, 22, 21 years old, I finally had like this epiphany moment with my parents where we finally sat down and I was like, hey, your response to me being gay was extremely damaging. And this is how they found out. I went to school and I had been like secretly dating this girl for like a moment, like literally three weeks, by the way. And how that happened was we would always text each other from like across the schoolyard. Like it really felt like this little Netflix series moment where it was like, oh my gosh, like you look so pretty today. And then, you know, they'd text me back like, you look so pretty today. And then we'd like make eye contact from like literally like so far apart in where we sat to eat lunch. And I remember she, like they texted me one day and was like, hey, we should go for a walk around campus. And I was like, we should not. And I like totally bailed because I was nervous. I had never kissed anyone before in my life. And then they were like, all right, we should go for a walk next week. I was like, next week actually fits really well with my schedule as I sat there and they could see that I was doing absolutely nothing with my time. So the moment comes the next week where like we decide to walk around campus and as we're like walking away, we walk past my brother's friend group. And I think my brother had caught wind of this person being queer before I did. And so he knew. And, you know, that's not a conversation that I had ever had with him before because I had no idea what was really going on. And we weren't really close. We kind of drifted apart between my middle and high school years. So I go on a walk with this person and we go behind the foreign language buildings. And we were on this basketball court and we spent 30 minutes just like <laughs> violently making eye contact and staring at each other because none of us wanted to make the first move. And it was like, anytime anyone walked by, we'd literally like socially distance. We'd just scoot six feet apart and be like, we're not gay. Like, cause you know, that was the only environment that I had to like make my move on this person. And I remember right as the school bell rang, I just kind of grabbed their face and like kissed them. It was probably awful, so sorry about that. But I was like, yeah, no, I'm definitely like, this is like a girl, I like this person and I'm like a queer human being. Without even knowing what the word queer was at this point, by the way, I only knew what gay was. I didn't even know what lesbian was still. And we walked away and we were holding hands. That was my first experience, like somebody even romantically holding my hand. I think I was like 14 years old. And we're walking and they were like, so are we girlfriends now? And I was like, yeah, <laughs> and that was it. And then we were texting like, when I wasn't supposed to have my phone in class, I was like, hi girlfriend, hi girlfriend, hi girlfriend, hi girlfriend. Like it was the most cheesy thing you've ever read in your entire life. But I think my brother caught wind of what was going on between us because we always happened to go for walks with each other at lunch, mixed with my parents reading my texts every night. You know, it wasn't very hard to put the puzzle pieces together. It was a pretty, it was like a 20 piece puzzle. You know what I mean? So one night I remember being in my room and kind of on cloud nine. Like I was at a really happy place in my life, 
even though a lot of it was secret. I had no friends I could tell. I had nobody else I could relate to besides my girlfriend. I had no other person in my life that knew what I was going through. But I was okay with that. I was very content. I remember feeling like this kind of light airiness to my life that I had never experienced before. And I'm sure that was just the rush of like, first kiss, first crush, first handhold, first I love yous. Like, obviously we're gay. We said I love you like two weeks in and we were already planning our future together. It was like, you know, literally straight out of a fairy tale that was bound to come crashing and burning. And so my parents come into my room and they're like, we need to talk to you. And this became a very constructive series of events because I started to realize every time they would pull me into their room and like I'd hear that door click, I still get all like, freaked out when I visit home and like I hear the sound of my parents door clicking it sounds different than every other door and it started to become this like signal that they were going to have a discussion with me that was not going to end well for me and so the door clicked and they were like we know you have a girlfriend and I was like oh word and in that moment I was just hoping it'd be like a let's talk about it we don't live in a safe place for you like this area, my mom had this conversation with me maybe a few years after that, which made a lot of sense, but didn't really happen in this context. It was a much later conversation where she was like, if you ever get a girlfriend, and she was coming around at this point, you are not allowed to hold her hand when you go into Target, when you go into public, people could hurt you because of who you are. And so I was automatically on that like fight or flight mode whenever I would hang out with a girl in public later on in my life. But in that moment, the first words out of their mouth were like, you have been manipulated into this relationship by this person. And I was like, oh word, like I didn't know that. And so I kind of took everything that they were saying as factual and I couldn't really stand up for myself because I had no idea how. And everything that they were saying like did not make sense to me. They were convincing me that she was this person that I didn't know. And I think instead of like working with me constructively on this they kind of took the reins and at that point they were like we aren't supportive of this relationship we will get in contact with her parents if we have to and at that point i didn't know if her parents knew that she was gay so i was like i need to do everything in my power to make sure that she is safe as well so they made me call this girl on speakerphone in front of them and break up with her and like i think my whole world shattered a little bit at that point because it was like all this like lovely buildup. Like I was happy and I wasn't questioning anything. And I was just like living the life I assumed a straight person would. Like you have a crush, they like you, you, they, you know, you like them back and then everything happens. And then, you know, you hold hands and you walk around school and like you start to tell your friends, you start to tell your parents, like it becomes this thing. It felt like every, and I didn't even know coming out was a thing. I had no idea that this moment had been kind of taken away from me. I'm convinced I was manipulated and I break up with this person on speakerphone and then I go into my room and like, I don't think I'd ever felt like, you know, there's like that active like pain that you get in your chest when your heart's broken. And like, I literally remember telling my parents, I was like, okay, thanks for this conversation. I'm gonna go take a shower. So I just give them my phone. I give them our home phone because that's when they made me call her on. I go into my room. I get into this like fetal position on my bathroom floor and I just like, sob for like an hour shower running sorry about the amount of water that I definitely wasted during this time but I was like shattered and then I had to get up the next day and pretend like I was fine and then 
my mom would do this thing for a while after that where we'd drive in circles around our neighborhood and I knew she wanted to talk to me whenever she passed our house because our house was like a in a neighborhood that was a circle and so we just drive in circles around all the houses and she'd kind of get me in this environment where there was like the only way I'm about to escape this conversation is if I literally physically tuck and roll out of this car and I can't do that and so I'm stuck in this conversation and she would kind of prompt liking boys and if I was bi and if I was this and if I was that and if there, there, there was kind of any chance of me dating men and you know to vouch for my parents a little bit there there is that like product of your environment that I believe so strongly in and so I'm sure this was also her trying to protect me that you know she explained later on in life this was her trying to make sure that her kid was safe in this environment that definitely was unsafe because at that point in time I was so lost and confused I began going to school and like trying to talk to my friends about gay people. I was like, hey, have you heard of those? Like gay people? How crazy is that? Like, that's so wild. I'm definitely gay, just tell me it's okay. And the responses I was, get from, I was getting from even peers was just so negative. Cause it, I mean, you know, nobody ever talked about it. It wasn't a conversation that happened in school. There was no rainbow flags. This was 2014, this was like, right at the moment where gay marriage was about to be legalized and you had this really strong opinion on it and I grew up in an environment where that strong opinion was don't let the gays get married and so every reaction that I had like received from this situation was just negative and so at this time I was convincing my mom I was like bye because she wanted me to date men for some reason I think it's because they always say like well don't knock it till you try it yeah Unfortunately, I tried it and it was so bad. I remember I had my first boyfriend same year when I was 14 and it was just different. Like his hand didn't feel right in my hand. I was holding it and was just like, oh, I wish this was her hand, like stuff like that. I don't know, she smelled like vanilla and he literally smelled like he just got out of PE every single day. Like he did not smell like One Direction perfume and there were like, he would try and kiss me and I'd be like, you're being really violent right now a little bit with your tongue, like put it back in your face. Like this is not something I'm into. But I dated this guy for like a month and I literally got to a point where I was like, I can't take this anymore. Like this is not something I'm into at all. There were like zero feelings. And so I eventually broke up with him and we were really mean to each other during the breakup too. And I think it had a lot to do with like, he knew I had dated this girl I was trying to be cool about it, which is like, you know, he said, oh, he was like, he, which is his words, by the way. He was like, I'm trying to be cool about this. I was like, that's weird, but okay. And so I got to a point where I realized I don't like men, but for a very long time after that, that's all I tried to date was just men. And I got to a point in my life where I realized I was going to have to continue to like be this person and force these feelings that didn't exist into existence. And I hated it. I hated every second of having to wake up and like the dread of being asked to homecoming or somebody asking me out on a date or like seeing this girl at school that I felt like was ripped away from me. And I think after my parents forced that breakup on me, they took my phone. So there was no more texting this girl. 
I had a phone for a rockin' two months in high school. That was it. And then once I got that taken away from me, there was really no way to contact this person. I like ran up to her right after like the next day at school and was like, that was not me. I did not mean any of that. But I, you could see the heartbreak on this person's face as well. I mean, we both had fallen for each other really quickly because like that fresh young queer love is something like you never experience again because you just both fall so hard. I feel like with no real boundaries or borders, that was my experience. And so, you know, I was like, please, no, <laughs> like listen to me and talk to me. But you could tell like she was already pretty checked out. And we realized at that point, like, what were we going to do? hang out at school and like never see each other anyways like that was just not going to be like a viable relationship and so it just kind of like drifted away like we moved seats in spanish class i actually think i dropped out of that class because i told my mom I was like he's so bad like second semester i was like i can't do this like he's so awful but it was literally just because i couldn't physically handle seeing this person every day and i memorized this is like giving you on Netflix, but I memorized her schedule in school. And so I would like purposefully avoid seeing them like between classes because I just couldn't handle it. Like I would go in the bathroom and cry. And later on, I did find out it was my brother that told my parents. And that's never something I could figure out why. I've tried to have conversations with him where I was like, yo, why did this happen? And I think my parents might have convinced him that it was like a really bad thing and he had no other choice, but there was never really clarity in that answer. But yeah, for a long time, it was hard. All I was doing was chasing the feelings in men that I had with this girl and I could never find it. And that kind of sucked me into this place in my life that I had never been before, settling for that like unhappiness but also settling for the happiness of everybody else around me. The joy in my mom when a boy asked me to junior homecoming or even when I told her that a boy liked me and that I, I lied straight to her face. I was like, I like this guy so much. He's in band. I did not like him at all. <laughs> Sorry, but I didn't. And I think I started to live for other people and that like will to exist started to slowly drain out of me. And I really never felt alive until I was like seeing this person, no matter, it was like, I don't know, I think it's like a song lyric. It's like, I don't know, better to feel pain than nothing at all. And I think that's what I started to live for, seeing the pain that this human being like didn't cause, but like associated love and relationships with in person and then going home and just starting to like feel that emptiness of like who I am is wrong and who I am on the inside can never exist on the outside. So that was my very first year of high school and I'm sure a lot of you have a lot of questions about if you're experiencing the same things or have experienced being environments that kind of reject who you are. So today I'm going to be answering some of those questions. The first question is, how bad is it to love someone even if it may not work out? Mm, I don't think it's bad at all, like from personal experience. I think as you grow, you're going to experience relationships that are pivotal in you experiencing how you communicate, how you learn, how you grow, how you experience love. And I think even if you kind of know early on, it's like bound to not work out, there's no harm in like exploring where it could go otherwise. And 
I think love is something that like is never a negative thing. Like that's just my own personal opinion. I think love is beautiful. And I think if you have love for somebody and you can, they can teach you any sort of lesson about life and love, it's not a bad thing, even if it may not work out. And you can always hold somebody very fondly in your heart, even if it's no longer a viable option romantically. So yeah, love is not bad. Love is beautiful. Somebody just said, Savannah, beautiful brown eyes and hair, the kindest smile. She's perfect. I haven't told her yet though. Tell her, I need to see this play out. Okay, sorry, update me. This one's so real. It says, we fake flirted in quotations for months until they asked me out finally. I think having that like joking relationship with somebody where you're like, oh, I'm flirting with you, but like in a joking way. <sighs> Those are so dangerous. Feelings can get caught so easily. And then it becomes really difficult, especially if like feelings aren't reciprocated because you're in this environment where it's like, oh, I'm joking. But you don't want to take away from that flirtatiousness by saying, hey, I've caught feelings. We need to stop this or it's going to get worse. But I also don't want you to stop because like it's really it feels nice. That's so real. Or it ends up working out and you fall in love. So keep fake, fl fake flirting, everyone. Yeah, fake flirting is real flirting, by the way. Just there are underlying tones that you should explore. Story number one. When I was 14, I was sitting in church and panicking because I had a secret rendezvous with another girl from my church in the bathroom 10 minutes earlier. Later that day, me and my family got in the car to drive home from church, but the mother of the other girl I made out with stopped my parents from getting in the car and stopped and started talking about how happy she was that me and her daughter were dating the mother was okay with her daughter being a lesbian but my parents weren't so they didn't talk to me for two weeks mic drop the mom should have been informed <laughs> like i can't imagine that experience. it's not funny because i'm so sorry that your parents didn't talk to you but the mother should have been filled in about the situation because I had no, like, there was no warning for that. All of these stories start out so cute and they're like, oh my gosh, we held hands for the first time. And then we were never allowed to see each other ever again. And that's so like, unfortunately common in like young queer relationships where like one family supportive and the other isn't, or like they both aren't. That's kind of the experience that I had like growing up. But I think just speaking on that story, Cheers on you for making out with this person in a church bathroom. That is ballsy, man. Like, I don't know if I would have had the balls to do that, to be honest. Can I even say balls? The guts. That, that is so cute, though. Like, that is kind of lovely that the mom came up to the other family and was like, our daughters are so cute together. Like, I would have loved that. But I hope you guys have worked it out. And I think something that I actually really admire in this generation is like, we are not afraid to stand up for, I say we as in like, you are not afraid to stand up for what you truly believe in. I think we started to kind of question the morals of a lot of adults who grew up with a very specific mindset. And I think the main difference between millennials and Gen Z is like millennials try to appear to be on social media specifically, this like perfect kind of like, through this perfect lens you know it's like the perfect picture of like your wine wednesday and then gen z is like here's this very blurry picture of a stop sign and it's metaphorical because it's blurry and i'm blurry and it's a stop sign and like there doesn't have to be this like perfect meaning to everything and so i think that we're getting to this place where 
we're standing up for each other and ourselves. And I just admire that so much in like this younger generation, because it's not something that I did and it's something that I wish that I did. So I hope you stood up for, for that love, even though I'm sure it must've been very scary. Thank you so much to everybody who submitted stories. Please keep sending me them. I absolutely adore getting all of your stories and your responses to being young and queer. Today was the first part in the several chapters of my high school experience. Come back next week to hear the final chapter and we will be touching on mental health, depression, anxiety, and growth. My name is Maddie. You can find me anywhere at Westbrook and I mean literally anywhere even on Facebook Marketplace, I cost $5. Please rate, review, and subscribe to Closet Talk wherever you get your podcasts, and be sure to subscribe for full video episodes every Friday.